Burglary here. Thanks for, for tuning in. We, want, we have to talk to some extent about this whole campaign that's going on. We're here in the throes of the 2016 presidential election. And as we speak, we have some fascinating, fascinating new developments going on. And what, what okay, we're, we're speaking in the middle of September, right after, um, actually during September 11, the commemoration services in New York City, Hillary Clinton faints and she basically collapses. She's completely unconscious for God knows how long, but videos capture the moment from two angles and it's extremely embarrassing for her uh, because, well, not that she fainted, but because she lied about her health. It's clear that her health is very, very poor. And we've been mentioning this before in the past, the podcast on my Sunday show, all these things, and, and, you know, her health was one of the many problems that she's going to be facing as a headwind in this, uh, in this election. Now, we try to make things timeless as we can on this podcast. I, I understand that. But it's worth studying this as a timeless aspect, right? It's about being honest. It's about being forthcoming. We had a whole episode on our podcast, and the episode was Everyone Can See Your BS. Do you remember this? It was, a, it was a while ago. I think maybe even two years ago we had a podcast to, the, to this effect. It was a good one. And, and the notion was that whatever you think you're going to be able to get away with, guess what? You won't be able to get away with it. it, it you should assume and you should operate your life entirely that way with that mantra running in your head. It, I, I will not get away with this. Okay, so when you tell the boss that you're, you're late because... I don't know, there was traffic, when in fact you were really just kind of hamming it up with your friends, um, he's going to find out about it. Okay? It'll eat inside you more than, more than anything else. It, it, he will find out about it anyway. But, you know, the truth is always out there. The truth will, in fact, eventually arrive, and you just have to acknowledge that. And the problem with Hillary Clinton is that she, she doesn't know what, what the truth is. As I always say, liars always lie. They just do. Uh, like everything else we said, cheaters always cheat, uh, lazy people are always lazy, and so on. But liars always lie. And so when people say, why doesn't she just tell the truth? Then, then uh, you know, it's like asking uh, an, an alligator to not be an alligator anymore. Or a scorpion not to sting the frog. Right. It doesn't, it's, it's it doesn't happen. Things, right. it's, just, it's just not in her nature. You know, and why, why start now? Right, you know everything. It's lying has worked so well for her for so many decades. You know what? Why try this new thing? You know, it's just, it's like an old dog, new tricks, right? That that old line. Um, so <laughs> you can't have that, right? With with uh, Hillary Clinton. Yeah, right. It reminds me of uh, Lawrence of Arabia. There's a great line in there where the uh, the character played by Alec Guinness. He's a, supposed to be a wise Arab for one of the tribes, and he's trying to explain to Lawrence of Arabia that, you know, he's being a little deceptive. And he says, look, uh, you know, we're only telling maybe a half truth. And the Lawrence, of, uh, the Alec Guinness character says, people who tell lies merely hide the truth. People who tell half lies forget where they put it, right? It's a great line. And it's very true. And it's so emblematic of Hillary Clinton in her own way because she tells both lies and half lies. She, she just blatantly lies. And she also tells half lies, things that, that are, you know, you can argue certain points of truth to it, 
but they are meaningless truths. Like, like I think we gave the example a couple of weeks ago of a, the, the famous story of a, of a rabbi who was, somebody took a picture of him right in front of a, a sex shop store, right? And, and isn't this salacious? And can you believe this, this wonderful rabbi who, who was such a good man, and he's right there in front of a sex shop. Yeah, I mean, can you believe he's anywhere near this thing? Yeah, so he's right, right there. The photo is set, does not lie. I mean, it's before photoshopping yeah. and such. It does not lie. There it is. And uh, But what you don't know, of course, is that this photo was taken while the rabbi was just literally walking on the sidewalk. He happened to be walking past the sex shop place. Why? On the way to give a very important speech about godliness and goodness and such like that at, in his synagogue, which was about four blocks away. So it's misleading, right? It's, it's a half-truth. It's telling, yes, it, it's true that he was in front of the sex shop, but it's suggesting and it's misleading to suggest that he was in that sex shop, right. that he the, was associated with that sex shop. Yeah, the photograph, yes, is true. But yeah. what's, what's susceptible is the headline, because the headline should read, Rabbi's Neighborhood Has Gone to Hell. Right. That's right. <laughs> you know. But this, but see, we talk a lot about Hillary Clinton, and, and as we should, because she's so emblematic of the, the Democratic Party. But what I think the Democratic Party doesn't understand is that she has infected them. Yes. That, that in fact, it's, it's all over the Democratic Party, whether it's Debbie Wasserman Schultz, uh, whether it's Anthony Weiner, whether it's uh, the guy from New York, what's his name, um, who was caught in that big scandal. Oh, Spitzer. Yes, Elliot Spitzer. Yeah. And then uh, Bill Clinton himself, of course. It's, it's in their blood. They, their, their whole way of operating right and, they and learned from Clinton and now they don't know any other way they, that's right it, it is the way of doing business and they see that it's worked in the past and I, I have no doubt that Hillary Clinton and again I, I it's it's an educated guess but I think it's a very educated guess she's the one she's she's been so successful in her life it depends on how you define success of course but she's managed to climb the the ladder and all the way she's she could easily tell people, hey, listen, don't question me. I know what I'm doing. I'm now 60, what, 69 years old, and uh, I'm pretty successful. Thank you very much. I know what I'm doing. I, why change now? I mean, you laughed before, but really, why, why should she change now? What, everything that she's about was, was one lie after the other. Her, whole, her hero, uh, which is um, Saul Alinsky, his whole foundation is a lie. Right? He, it's about how you lie to other people. His very essence in the very beginning was, was how to cheat people out of, out of meals. Right? That, that's that's, that's what Saul Alinsky wrote the very first time. He was talking about cheating restaurants out of, out of meal breaks. Not meal breaks, but meals. Yeah. He found a way. Yeah, getting away with not paying the check. Right. And, and this is the kind of mantra. that. So everything about the Democratic Party now is, has absorbed this line of thinking. And, and what do they say? You know, you, you are judged by the, peop, the company that you keep, right? Sure enough, if, you, if all your friends are liars, if all your friends are cheats and such, it won't be so surprising if one day you become a liar and a cheat, right? I, I, that's just the way it is. And if all your people that you surround yourself with are, are God-fearing and honest people that treat their spouses well and are good family men, uh, you might very well uh, be the same. Ultimately, if you're not right away, maybe you will one day be. And I think, now that I think about it, the Democratic Party, uh, I mean, I can give very many examples. I mean, even Obama 
with the Iranian deal and the way they try to parlay that, the, the Benghazi situation. We have the, the long laundry list. And it's IRS, not just, yeah. uh, you know, NSA, yeah. every one of these scandals, every one, ACORN, every one of them. Yeah. It's the same. It, that's the genius that we've talked about with Heaven Say It's book and the principles. We're not talking anymore about a one-off incident. We're talking about, it's like doing algebra. There's there's a, a theorem. There's a method for solving the problems right. that they follow, and they do it every time exactly as this, and it involves massive amounts of lying. Right. Yep. That, that's uh, and, and look, you can say this is partisan, and I just think you know, no, it's it's really not. And, and I'll tell you why it's not partisan, because look, I used to be a Democrat. I used to at least associate myself with Democrats. I don't know if I actually sign up as a Democrat. Um, you know, for voting purposes, uh, but identified with with uh, with that during the Clinton years, Bill Clinton, and I I gotta tell you that one of the things I found very unfortunate is when people say, "Well, this is this is the way it, it is. It's just politics, Barack." I heard that so over and over again, and I I didn't like that. It it nodded at me, and I understood it's just politics, as they said. It, that's a famous expression, but you say one thing and you mean the other. But I still didn't like it. You know, how, how can I compartmentalize that? It, it didn't jibe well with me. And uh, then I, I heard this man, George uh, W. Bush, speaking uh, very frankly about Israel and how much he appreciated Israel and how we need to protect her. And, and Israel's uh, its own sovereign nation. And he was, the sincerity came out. And I liked it. It resonated with me. And I said, it's not just, you know, it's not just a party of limited government. It's not just a party that appreciates the, the, the right to bear arms and free speech and uh, freedom of religion, which it, it is true. It's all, it's all those things. But to me, it's also the party of honesty, right? That, that's what I like. I, I, can, I, I believe them more than I will be, believe the Democratic Party. Oh, Barack, how could you be so naive? You know, both parties are equally complicit in, in, in doing sleights of hand and... Um, and, and you are naive to not understand that. Well, you know, there's a difference. You know, one party can jaywalk and another party can murder. Both are crimes, right? I'd rather be with the jaywalkers. Thanks, thanks very much. Good point. Okay. So th this is the lying aspect of it. And I want people to understand that, you know, if, if you're choosing between two parties, ask yourself, which is the party that has no problem lying? And if you get to that point, then you ultimately will go with the with the, the Republican Party, the conservative way of thinking. Because everything that the liberal uh, platform has offered is in some form or another a lie. Okay, Whether they tell you that Social Security works, whether they tell you that affirmative action works, uh, minimum wage, all the things that you and I talk so much about, Ari, all of them are lies. We believe in a woman's right to choose. We care about the children. We care about the elderly. We care about the sick. The minorities. Uh, you, if you the keep blacks, your doctor, yeah. you can. You, if you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. Obamacare is a tax. Obamacare won't uh, raise your taxes by one ounce. I, I just, you know, I can go over an hour. Yeah. IRS scandal, not a smidgen of corruption. Right. Benghazi was caused by a, uh, a, a video. video. Yeah. I, I mean, listeners out there. You, you guys are smart. You guys have heard the show many times. If you haven't, please share it or right. with others. But we've covered all this. The, this list, if we just sat down and read it to you, we'd be here for about four or five hours. Right. And we wouldn't get to them all. 
It's right. that extensive. Yeah, I, I talked about this on my on my show on Sunday, I, I think two Sundays ago, where I said, look, you, you can't you can't point to uh, anything where the, the the liberals, sorry, where the conservatives have done anything that's parallel to this. What are you talking about, Barack? What about Watergate? What about the Iran Contra scandal? No, 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 my friends. Those first of all, Watergate was was nothing. It wasn't about conservatism, right? It was the actions of one man and a cover-up of that of those actions, but it, it was not as if Watergate was about conservatism. No, right? it was about a Republican breaking his conservative. Well, that's that's another story. Yeah, if but, he had, them, yeah, I, I could you know. I could definitely agree with that. But nevertheless, it 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 wasn't at its core Republicanism or I'm sorry, conservatism. Right. Whereas liberalism itself is a lie. It it offers every one of its platforms is is uh, mendacious, shall we say. Yeah, or it has to be mendacious because it is so against the natural order of things. Right. right. It, it right. is a lie against the laws of nature, of physics, of the earth, of gravity. Yeah. It doesn't work. doesn't work. So the only way you can compel, compel and convince people to participate in it is by piling so many lies upon them that they don't know which way is up. Yeah. I call it machine, um, you know, machine wash politics. You put people in a machine washer, spin them around, get them out. They don't know which way's up anymore. <laughs> That's so true. That's really true. And in addition to all this, you know, that one of the one of the concerns that you should have as a as a believer, if you're choosing between the Democratic Party and the liberal, uh, the um, conservative party, one of the things you should always be looking at is which party is truly founded with God in mind or at least embraces God. And I think it was the 2012 platform of the DNC where they, they literally took God out of the uh, the um, the platform. Yeah, officially. No, yeah, officially. Yeah, and, and uh, in addition to in addition to the issue of Jerusalem being the capital of, of Israel, that was one thing which is bad enough for, you know, I would turn to my fellow Jews and say, "See, see?" but they would say something else about that. Um, and then but then taking God out of it that was far more important because what that did was to say, look, God is not, does not inform the way we think anymore. Well, I, I know uh, an atheist will tell you, good for you. Uh, God should not inform anything that you do, right? But they don't realize that without God, there is no such thing as truth. Just just can't be. You know, what, what happened today is going to easily be changed and and you can make a different history. That's, that's not a problem because under atheism, anything is possible. The famous Dostoevsky line, right? Anything is possible. And Saul Alinsky knew that, and he infected Hillary Clinton, who in turn infected Bill Clinton, who in turn infected the Democratic Party, and, and here we are. It's a party of lies. And I, and I say it, uh, you know, people will, will, will say, oh, you're, you're being so negative, you're so extreme. I'm really trying to, to see it anthropologically more than as just a mere opinion. I ask you, as a Democrat, if you are a Democrat or a liberal, I ask you to look at your actual policies and see how mendacious they all are. Every, every one of them. It's very, it's very hard to, to actually see it any other way. And this is why, you know, the line comes so easily to Hillary Clinton, even with regard to her health, right? She tells you every, you know, every day that her health is fine. She doesn't allow questions about her health. And then, boom, she, she, she shows that she collapses right there. I mean, she looks like a corpse. It's it's um, at the biggest she, event of the year, right, mind you. It's humiliating to her, and and 
it should be. Um, I, I mean, I was shocked even for her. I was, I felt I was watching. Uh, it, it felt like a, what's a, what is a peeping tom, or you know, it was voy- voyeuristic to see this woman suffering the way she was. Yeah, it's like watching someone sick in their house or seeing them in a hospital room when they're not at their best. Yeah, and and, and here's a video of it, and you know, I feel bad for her in that sense, but she's kind of brought this upon herself. She had no business being at the 9-11 event if she indeed had pneumonia, um, which I don't necessarily believe. And that's, you know, surprise, surprise. Yeah, after all the lies, why should we? Yeah, why, exactly. why is the then onus on us to believe this yeah, statement this, yeah. after all those? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now we're supposed to just think everything else didn't happen, just accept this? Yeah. By the way, I'd like to see that doctor's note saying that she has pneumonia, but I guess it's easy enough to get that. And I'd also like to see the parents of that little girl confront that Hillary hugged when she came out of Chelsea's apartment say, what were you doing near my child? When you know that you had pneumonia. And I'd also like to see what, what Chelsea said to her mother. You have pneumonia and you come over to my house. I have an infant and a toddler. Right. Right. Mom, I don't want to get my kids sick. Don't it, worry, it's Zika. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Might as well. I mean, it's, well, it's not, that, not as deadly as Zika. But still, uh, the point is that... No, you get the point, yeah, though. Yeah, we do. It's, it, like, it, it's like the lie... I have, and this is important, I'm sorry to sort of divert for a minute, but yeah. if, if she's saying, okay, from this moment on, here's the demarcation point, I'm doing it a new way. Yes, I have pneumonia. Right. From now on, believe everything I say. I'm now telling the truth. Okay, so we're supposed to believe that you honestly have pneumonia, you hug a strange child or touch a strange child, and you spent time at your daughter's apartment. So, okay. I'll accept you're finally honest, but now I'm going to have to accept that you are the most inconsiderate person on the planet with how you handle yourself when you have a communicable disease around children. Right, that's it's so true. It's so true. It's, it's exactly right. It's truly a moment, you know how they say that, that political question, have you stopped beating your wife today? Yeah. And there's no good answer? There's no good answer for her. That's how we know it's a lie that's about right. pneumonia. That's right. <clears throat> that's exactly right. Um, yeah, look, um, the, the yeah. oh, can I also say yeah. one one other quick thing? And I, I pose this as a question to you because you said something very interesting about the mendaciousness of the liberal policies and ideas and how they have to sell it to the voters. I think an interesting question that just occurred to me that I'd like to challenge liberals and Democrats to try to uh, uh, well uh, satisfy, if you will, is could you please. Tell me and sell me on your policy ideas without lying about anything about them. Right. And if you can't, why can't you? Right. What about Obamacare is so nefarious that you can't just be straight with me and tell me it's a tax? Right. Or socialized medicine. Or why can't you tell me I'm going to lose my doctor and lose my insurance? Uh, Just since that's the truth, I'm going to lose those things if you pass Obamacare. What about Obamacare is so good that it's worth me losing those two things. Right. Right. No, it's because And do you really believe it's that good? Right. Well, and then they tell you, yes, it's gonna it's gonna reduce costs, it's gonna be reduce fraud, it's gonna reduce all these things because, you know, someone's gonna be in control of it because, you know, you can't let the market decide these crazy things. And, and so the government will be in charge, everything will be great, and just like, you know, TSA agents are so wonderful. Yeah, but in I the just airports, have to lose after, my health care and my doctor and for losing those things, I'll have you, no you, fraud. What they want you to do, they want you to look at them in the same way when you go to a movie and you have to engage in your willing suspension of disbelief. That's what they want. Okay? 
And it's all it's all a question of a good acting job. Will you, do you believe this plot? And, and that's all it is. It's it's, a, it's whether you're watching a James Bond movie or the movie Frozen or Transformers or anything else like that. That's what you have to do. You have to engage in this. But it's it's all a lie. I mean, when you watch uh, any movie, right? It's in a sense, it's a lie. Yes. Unless it's telling a, a true story, it's yeah, a fantasy. Yes. But but even if it even if it's, if it's telling a true story, it's still actors pretending to be the people that. The, the, whom they're representing. Yeah, so it's, it's, and and they have they're they're considerate enough to have an off ramp called the end of the movie. Right. So it's a lie. Right. And that's okay. But these are lies that we are willing to accept because it's a story. The the, the the quid pro quo is, we know that you're just acting this out, but you're telling it in a way that's believable, and I'm willing to let you lie to me in the in the process because the enjoyment that I'm going to get out of it is is worth it. As right? long as I let the story never end. Obviously. Right, right, and it's it's a harmless experience, right? You other than the, the you know twelve thirteen dollars that you pay for the movie ticket and and your time, it's a harmless experience. But they treat the the all their programs, whether it's affirmative action or Obamacare or social any social anything any of the departments, they they will tell you this is good for you, and you you have to watch it like you're watching. But but unfortunately, they to make the parallel complete. The movie actors actually have to come out and actually affect you, right? They actually these gunshots are actually now the bullets are now flying in your theater, as it were. This fire that's happening in the story is is happening all around you. You're going to die with it. That's that's the reality, my friends. But it's, but not not a single uh, a program that they've ever advanced has ever worked. So if that's the case, then of course it's a lie to say that the next one is going to work, or or to keep the old programs under the same rubric that they previously had. It's going gonna, it's gonna to continue failing. Social security will continue failing. Affirmative action will continue failing. Minimum wage will never work, ever, right? And, uh, and the notion that racism is still around is, is, a, is a lie itself, right? I mean, <laughs> yes, uh, I'm sure there's one or two people you can find in America, and, and, and probably about that many people. Yeah, okay. there's David Duke and well, I can't think of anyone else actually. Yeah, what, whatever. There's <laughs> right. Let's say there's, there's ten there's David five. Dukes out there. Okay. <laughs> yeah. But but okay, that doesn't make America a racist country. That's ridiculous, right? Right. That's like saying that that uh, you know a smoker is still a smoker because he still you know he still has a little bit of tar from twenty years ago in his lungs. He's not. He's not a smoker. He's that's ridiculous. Okay. But okay, so we have some idiots out there. But th this is the lie. The lie is that. Racism is, is pervasive in America, right? And then further, to compound upon that lie, is that white cops are routinely killing black people, innocent black people, no less, by the order of hundreds of thousands. Okay, yeah. so, so one lie after the other after the other. What's the corollary? How can a liberal look at the conservative cause and say, well, you, you guys lie too? And here's some examples. One, two, three. Okay, well, what are the one, two, threes? Just, I mean, it's hard to imagine. Well, it's funny. I can name them because we've talked about this kind of stuff before. Yeah. And don't worry, I'm not going to get into Trump or anything like that. No. no normally, the, the Republican slash conservative party lies are usually lies about how they're opposing liberalism yeah, I, and I how see. they say we're opposing it, but they're not really opposing. But we're going to fund Obamacare, but they really are. Yeah, you know, something like that. In other words, the lies that come from our party are lies that are only—they're not about conservatism. Yeah, they're not about conservatism. That, number one, and they only further liberalism. Number two, in their in their right. 
bottom so, line. In other words, that. it's not the lie that we're talking about. Yes. Okay. But I'm talking about lies about conservatism, that, that conservatism itself is a lie. In order to sell it to, to people. Sell, to sell it, you yeah. Know? So, but, but they'll say, oh, you know, of course they'll point to Bush lied, people died in the world, weapons of mass destruction. First of all, he didn't lie. Secondly, it people was... People didn't die. People didn't die. <laughs> right. Third, there were weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Uh, fourth, it's not about conservatism, but other than that, they're totally right. <laughs> so in other words, all they're left with is a useless slogan, but nothing else. Right, but yeah. it does rhyme, and right. you've got to work well, with that. Well, that's a good rhyme. Right, right. Uh, so, 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 but, so, and then they can say the Iran counter thing, but again, that's not about conservatism. And by the way, that was not against the, the law at the time either. And one more thing. But they wanted, no, to, make it seem, it, but they wanted yeah. to make it seem as though it were. And, and Ronald Reagan, in any event, said, look, there was many issues involved here, but at the end of the day... The buck stops with me. I am responsible for it. He handled himself like a real, real honorable man. Uh, he's a great man. And but but no, there was nothing about limited government. For example, you can't say that limited government is a lie, right? You can't say that that uh, advocating allowance of guns for people is a lie. Somehow that it will not protect them and that it will not advance society. You can't say that that the advocating of of uh, religion in in the country is somehow a lie. Yeah, the, right? to be analogous, it would have to be something like this. And I'm just sort of spitballing it here. If we cut taxes to such and such level, bags of gold will fall out of the sky for every man, woman, child every yes, day. that's right. That's the that equivalent, equivalent of pass Obamacare, you can keep your plan, you can keep your doctor. Yes, and we don't do that. When we sell our ideas, low taxes, we say, look... The rich will benefit from this. The poor won't see a benefit on their taxes because they don't pay taxes. Right. But the poor will get more jobs. Right. That's that, that's exactly right. If we were to, uh, and, and we'll wrap up this segment accordingly, um, if we were to be selling our our wares at a market bazaar, okay, you have you know the, the conservatives would end up selling, let's say. Um, you know, not iPhone only because it's the first thing I'm looking at, or a stapler. Okay, I'm looking at that too. I'm looking at this microphone, right? And you would say, okay, here it is. These, it's it's warranted. It's good. It's strong. It's you're going to get value for your money. And here it is. Okay. So, by contrast, the Democrat would be, and you know, hawking these wares. They look like microphones. They look like an iPhone. They look like a, a stapler, but there's nothing inside. They're all phantoms. Just they're just. Totally phantoms. Just objects, widgets, yeah. useless and, widgets. And, and, but these people are, keep on coming back over and over again to the same uh, you know, hawkers of, of, these, of these items. Why? Because they keep on changing the people who are selling it, and they keep on changing the message ever so slightly. And for good measure, they wipe out their memories. <laughs> and one more very important point, the people who control where the advertising medium runs keeps giving them free advertising and calling it news. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Which is an important point in all yes. this, but it explains. All right, we're going to break up the segment, and uh, don't go away. We'll be right back.
Dennis Prager here. If you have a business or real estate dispute, I strongly recommend that you call Barack Lurie. Barack, you had a case where your client invested $100,000 with her accountant who put her into various fake real estate investments. Yes, the challenge here was that neither the attorney nor the client were really focusing on this case. So what would you do? At the deposition, I had a big stack of documents that I told her I was going to ask her to testify about. and made sure she saw those documents and let her know her serious exposure. We settled for the full amount of the payments my client had paid her. We didn't even start the deposition. Litigation is a lot about understanding the psychology of your opposing party and sometimes the opposing counsel. I'll say another success. I trust Barack Lurie with my own legalities. Call him at 866-575-8111. That's 866-575-8111. Fighting for what's right, Barack Lurie at Lurie and Seltzer. 866-575-8111. And now listen to the Barack Lurie Show Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. here on AM870, The Answer. We're back. Thanks for tuning back in. One of the uh, major issues of the day, of course, is racism, right? The, the, the notion that racism is not only still alive and well, so to speak, um, but that it is growing, that it's worse than ever. And why do I say that? It's because it, it, it seems from the news media and how they're trying to stir up the pot uh, when it comes to police, alleged police brutality toward minorities, particularly blacks, that uh, they would have you believe that this is happening to hundreds of thousands of people. And really, this is, you know, I, I got a couple of calls on my Sunday show to that effect. They, they would say, oh, you don't understand, Mr. Lurie, this is, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are dealing with this uh, all the time. And I said, okay, name me one. And there was silence uh, on the other end of the, uh, the phone because he doesn't have one. Right, all all he has is you know, Eric Garner and uh, Michael Brown and and um, uh, the guy, uh, what's his name, Trayvon Martin and and, and names like that. And Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray. Freddie Gray. All, all of which uh, were found to be not racist and not not inappropriate. And uh, first, first of all, whether or not they're appropriate or not, whether they're excessive force or not, is one issue, and whether the force was <clears throat> for with racist purposes, that that's the reason why. They were doing it are two incredibly separate things, right? So, um, really, you need to know how to separate the issues. So, uh, because presumably, um, if, if that were the case, that the only time that the police exercised excessive force is upon black people, then then it would go by definition that any time they're dealing with a white person, that they're not using excessive force, right? Well, there's no evidence that they're using any more excessive force upon a black person than they would a white person. Okay, so we, we just don't have that. But people want to believe that. It's been stirred, the pot has been so stirred up to this effect that uh, you, you think in your head that racism is so prevalent throughout our society, and it just ain't. And we talked offline about how, look, we, we, it's, it's as if we have to say these obvious points, right? There's always some idiot out there who is a racist, right? Who, who does believe that uh, somehow blacks should not be in this country anymore. It, it, whatever bizarre things that, that are out there. But there are bizarre people saying all sorts of bizarre things out there. There are people out there that think that uh, there are elephants that are secretly ruling the universe. Um, you name it, somebody believes it. Okay, whatever, your, whatever the craziest idea that you have, 
there's somebody out there who believes exactly that. And there are people who believe that Jews control uh, the media and the financial worlds, and for that matter, everything else in, in, the, in, the, in the world. Uh, there are people who think that Mormons are taking over, the, the, the people who think Scientologists have a secret plan. They're, you name it, somebody is thinking it. Okay, so trust me, it, but we're not speaking about the margin. And this is a really far margin. This is a, a margin that is beyond uh, anything that, that can possibly be reasonable. I don't think that I'm worrying whatsoever about this. Racism is not, for all intents and purposes, racism just doesn't exist in America. Okay? Don't, don't tell me that you know that there's somebody, there's a KKK guy out there that you've heard about and he was recently arrested for some race. That doesn't, that's not significant. All right? It's like saying that there are people, that, that uh, slavery still exists in this country because some people kidnap other people and hold them, you know, like that terrible guy, um, Castro, I think his name was. Um, or the, the couple in uh, Irvine who ki- kidnapped some housekeeper. Right. And held her in, if yeah. you will, slavery for six months. And, and that's horrific, but that doesn't mean this country is a slavery country. Yeah, and the, and the proof of that is that that was illegal. She was prosecuted. Yeah. She went to jail for it. Exactly. And likewise, racism, uh, certainly to the extent that a cop does it or anybody does it. I mean, it, it, you go to jail for it. Or you, if, you, if you engage in uh, racist hiring policies or firing policies for that matter, you're going to be held liable for it. So it's, it's, it's on the books and it's enforced. So maybe not perfectly, but nothing is perfectly enforced. You know, not even the speeding limits are, are perfectly enforced. Right, Bernie Madoff got away with what he did with the Ponzi scheme that he had, the, the biggest Ponzi scheme in history. But that doesn't mean that we, we like Ponzi schemes or that we tolerate Ponzi schemes. Anyway, the point is that right now we think that racism is so prevalent in society and it's the big bugaboo, right? This is, we're all, it's the lightning rod of all discussion. And everything seems to be put in the perspective of racism. You know, this person looked at this guy a certain way. Ah, is he racist? And, and, and the demonizing is all about the way he speaks, the way he looks, the, his actions, of course. And when it comes to the police, you know, the level to which they supposedly targeted a black person or and if they did have a black person that they were dealing with, how intense was their force with that black person? Okay. Here's the question. And it's, a, it's an offbeat question. What's worse, racism or socialism, okay, slash communism, okay? Somebody advocates socialism slash communism. Nowadays, it's, it's almost, uh, there's almost no distinction. Um, as Ayn Rand said, the only difference between the two is that, uh, you, that in socialism, you willingly give up your freedom. <laughs> That's the only difference. Uh, but in every other respect, it's the same. So what's, what, what is worse? Somebody comes to you and says, I believe that uh, we should completely restructure society and everything should be imposed upon everybody uh, and, and nobody can make more than X and everyone has to, to the extent they do make more than X, they have to give it to other people to equalize them. We have to change the very foundation of our healthcare, our social system, for, for edu- sorry, education system, even our military system for that matter. Everything has to change. What's more damaging to the country? And first of all, what's more real? What's more of a threat? And then what's more damaging? So let's, let's talk about the threat part of it first. We just talked about how racism is, is 
a phantom threat. Okay, now, and before you start saying, well, that's all easy for you guys to be talking about, two white guys uh, talking about racism. What do you know? Okay, fair enough. But I, I can tell you something. I've experienced a lot of anti-Semitism. I know that there are anti-Semites out there. I know that some, there's some anti-Semites listen to this show. Oh, yeah, that's right. I've received emails and such, not just on this show, but also on the, my Sunday show. But do I think that this whole country is anti-Semitic? Of course not. And, and some of these anti-Semites have a Christian background. But you still hear me saying how much I love Christians. So I know what you're speaking about. I, I've got some, some chops here to talk about. Okay? I, I went through this. I experienced it firsthand. And I responded to it in a very different way. I responded to it by, like I said, by being the very best person I can be. Being the best student. Being as good in athletics as I could be. I was decent in athletics, but I wasn't the best by any stretch. But I was very good in academics because I applied myself. Uh, I, I worked out to be the best role model for Jews that I could possibly be. I think I, I, I set a very good example at the end of the day. I became president of my class, for example, even though just about everyone in my class was, was not Jewish. They were all Christian. It was tough. But I, I didn't go about saying, well, you've got to change all your ways, and I want laws, and I want you teachers, you know, monitoring everything that every student says in the classroom. And uh, they can't say anything in the locker room or anything else like that when, when we're together. It just doesn't work. You cannot do that. So I know what I'm speaking about. I've dealt with anti-Semitism. And I, I didn't necessarily assume that everyone else is racist. So what, again, going back to the threat issue, I don't think when, when, we, when you actually look at the numbers that racism is a real threat in America. It just isn't. And certainly when you compare it to the racism that I know exists in Europe, and for that matter, the anti-Semitism that exists in Europe and the, uh, the anti-Christianism that, that exists in Europe and South America and many other places, boy, you, you, you guys, I mean, we, we guys, we don't realize how good we've got it. Okay, this is a fantastic country. Not, not perfect, but you can't ever measure a country up to a, the perfect standard, whatever that perfect standard is. By the way, what's perfect for you, it's not necessarily perfect for me, right? So it's not, it's just not there. Okay, for all intents and purposes, racism, at least on a rampant scale, just, it's just an utterly false depiction of the reality in America. Okay, so I think I'm done with that. However, socialism is very much of a threat. We don't talk about it very much. But it is far more a reality and a growing threat than ever before. It, this is kind of easy to explain, right? You have Bernie Sanders, who was an openly socialist candidate. Openly communist. And pretty much, well, he didn't say communist, but he might as well have been openly communist. And he, he was very brave about it. He was very uh, strong about it. He was honest about it. I'll, I'll give him that. But to, to say that you were a socialist only 10 years ago, would have, of course, been disqualifying instant, instantaneously. But not only was it tolerated, it was embraced. People were pointing to him and saying, yeah, yeah, I like that guy. That's what I believe. And socialism took on this veneer of popularity that, that just took on all of America by storm. I mean, he really was nipping at Hillary Clinton's heels in a very dramatic way. And who knows, you know, had it not been for... Debbie Wasserman Schultz and, and others in the DNC who were trying to squash him down at every turn, 
maybe he, he might have actually taken the nomination. Yeah, and, and don't forget, he's not the first. Don't forget, as soon as Obama took office and passed those initial spending bills, Newsweek had a, a cover story with Obama dressed as FDR in the back of the car with the cigarette yes. holder. Oh, yeah. And the headline said, on the cover of the magazine, we're all socialists now. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, it, this it, is not mm-hmm. just Bernie here. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. It's not just Bernie. And just like, you know, a racist doesn't say, I'm hereby acting on my racist, racist impulses, right? We, we intuit that something is racist if, for example, an, an employer only fires black people and never fires a white person. We intuit racism when a, a police officer only arrests and uh, beats mercilessly a black person. We would intuit that, right? But it's not as if he would say, I'm now about to engage in a racist uh, uh, approach to this. I'm, I'm, this is a racist firing. This is a racist beating, right? They don't say that. We intuit it based upon the facts, right? Same thing with politics. Obama is not going to say, I'm here by adopting a socialist agenda, and it's gonna, uh, I'm, I'm trying to advance socialism by way of Obamacare, by way of public education, and by way of this policy and that policy, and the stimulus, and this and that. Um, no, of course he doesn't say that. But they are socialist in nature. So whether they call it out like, uh, and admit to it like Bernie Sanders does, or, the, or they simply do it <laughs> like Obama slash Hillary does it, it's the same thing. Okay? Just the same way as, as in the racist thing that we talked about before. The threat is there, and it's very real, and it's growing. Okay? So, so that is real, and we are ignoring it. We are minimizing it. Whereas racism, it's exactly the opposite. It's not there, and we are overinflating it. We are, we're saying that it is there. Now... Again, I'm not talking about the drop in the bucket where there are some racists and the marginals and, and all that stuff. I, I get that. It's not pristine. But it never will be pristine. 500 years from now, somebody will, will think blacks are, are, you know, will have a racist attitude toward blacks. Okay, that's, it's always going to be that way, and they're stupid for thinking that way, but there it is. But that doesn't make the country racist. So socialism, however, is stronger and stronger every year. Okay, and now you do talk to the millennials who are young now, but one day will be our age, and, and it's, gonna, it's in their mother's milk. They are adopting the socialism. They don't even know what socialism is. They just, they just like it. They just don't know there's an alternative, right. actually. That's right. They, they, the, they, the whole they mantra is, is life. Yeah, but yeah, for them, the way the government works is, you know, which program shall they focus on? How much money for this program? How much money for that program? Um, and... You know, they, the more, as long as they can think of a socialist idea, they want, they ask the question, well, why isn't the government adopting that socialist program? It's, it's the, you know, give me, give me culture that the millennials are so used to. It's the entitlement culture that feeds so well into the socialist mantra. Yeah, and even, I think, more granularly, it's not even, forget economic programs, it's a general attitude that government exists in their minds to solve problems, right? Rather than government existing as a necessary evil, right? That needs to be limited as much as possible, right? And the 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 very thought that government must be limited never occurs to them. Right? They don't understand limiting government and freedom is is a balance that you can only have freedom with limited government, not not, not the, the, not the reverse. Around. Exactly right. And and so so we've talked about the threat. The threat is is very real, 
it's underestimated, and it's growing. Yeah, and, okay. and your analogy is particularly brilliant because the way racism worked back in the ugly days, pre the 1960s, 1970s reform, when America really became much more uh, synthesized culturally, was the reason racism was accepted is because in those regions of the country where it was bad, people basically had the attitude of, well, this is how we always did it. Right. They didn't question that it was wrong. It never occurred to many of right. them. It, it seemed to them to be the natural order of things. Right. So with the socialist threat that you're talking about on the horizon, this is why you're so right on this, is because the more people, like these younger generations, accept that limited government is just not a, an alternative to even choose, and that the government exists entirely there to solve their problems rather than just protect individual rights... Mm -hmm. <clears throat> now yeah. it's accepted as just the way things are. Right. And it will never occur to future generations that it was ever done differently. Right, exactly right. When, when you tell somebody, well, maybe we ought to rethink Social Security altogether, it, 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 you might as well say, well, maybe we ought to rethink gravity, you know, and, and you know, gravity should go upside down and we should float in the air. I mean, that's how absurd it is to them. It's in the mother's milk. It's part of their DNA at this point. And uh, this is the danger, the danger on the left. And we have, to, we have to fight it. It's a real threat. So now let's talk about the level of uh, actual harm. What, what is, we've talked about what's more harmful, racism or socialism, right? And, and I thought you brought up a very good point, Ari, offline when we we're talking about uh, the dangers of socialism. Racism, yes, it's ugly, um, but at the same time, it's also stupid, right? Discrimination by, by definition is stupid. And it's one of the beauties of capitalism is that it looks only to your merit. It should only look to your merit. And to the extent that it doesn't, and you're, miss, you're missing out on these golden opportunities with this Jewish candidate, this black candidate, this Mexican candidate, merely because of them being Jewish, black, or Mexican, uh, well, then you're, you're an idiot. You're passing up on great opportunities. And um, so, so it, it only hurts you at the end of the day. So it's stupid. Now, but it's, it's a... It's, it's not a real threat, and therefore it can't be really damaging. Now, slavery, of course, was extremely damaging, was very unhealthy for the country, and it took us many, many decades to get out of it, many, many decades to, and still, we're still talking about it as though it's, as if it happened yesterday. But the reality is it's, it's not a real danger. It's not really happening. People are not truly being um, maligned or passed up because of their color. It's just not happening. I, I don't buy it for a second. I know because if it were a real thing, you would hear it more often at the, you know, among us employers, for example, among my, my white friends in the locker room and such. You know, well, I wanted to uh, hire this person, but, you know, he was black, so I, I, I didn't want to consider him. You know, I'd rather go with the white guy, in all honesty. You know what I mean, right, Barack? And, of course, there are no such conversations. It's not happening. You, you know, and I, and I understand from a black person's perspective, they, they will never be privy to those conversations, right? Because, you know, people are smart enough, they would never speak that way in front of a black person. But I'm telling you that white people just don't speak like this. It's not part of their, their mantra. Okay? Are, are, we, are you with me so far? Yeah, and, and being a fellow white person like you, even though some may know I'm Jewish, I've been in those um, white-only back, uh, back rooms full of cigar smoke and I've never heard any of that. Uh, it just doesn't talk. happen. It <laughs> just doesn't happen. And, and, you know, and, and you know what? When it, and, and I think it happened literally once in the past twenty years, where somebody said, 
well, you know, those, something like those black people. Okay? Everyone jumps on him. That's I want right. you to feel good about this, my friends, that we jump on that person and say, you know, Johnny, that, that is BS. And you knock that off. And we, we shame him in the process. And like whatever your feelings are about that, you're an idiot for thinking that way. Okay? And, and you know what? A lot of people will just you know, ostracize him. We, and, won't, we won't be friends with him. That again. is a point that can't be overemphasized because it's one thing that these occasional islands of racist people, these uh, individual racist columns of individuals occur floating around in the protoplasm of society. And it would be one thing if they occurred... The, the beautiful thing is that they're not tolerated by others of their same creed. And yeah. that's really the, the proof of, of the theorem that you're putting forward, that it, racism is not a severe problem in America because others don't, t- don't let it go on. And then what an even more brilliant point, and I, I yeah. think there's, there's something to be said about this, that even if racism is a problem, if you have a capitalist free market society the capitalism will cause the racism to slowly but surely die on the vine as people are forced to not be idiots in their own self-interest. Oh, yeah, of course. On the other hand, if you have socialism, it causes racism, and, and even if it doesn't cause it, it allows us it to flourish and stay in place. So if you look at a, at a map of the world and you see the more socialist the country invariably the more racist the country will be. Yes, you're right. And, and you actually got ahead of me on this, and I love that you, and I don't mind. That was my next question, which is uh, kind of adopting a little bit of what you just said. The, the next question is, does socialism foster racism? And does racism or a culture where there's a belief in racism, does that foster socialism? And the answer is yes to both. Okay, they, they go hand in hand. It's a little bit like, uh, you know, Hitler exploited the anti-Semitism that was going on in Germany for his own end, right? And what did, what was the result? That's right. You heard it. Wait for it. Wait for it. Socialism. Okay? It was called fascism, but fascism was a form of socialism. But, it's, was, okay? but it was dictatorial it rule. So fascism by the outsiders? Didn't they call it themselves national socialism? That's right. As in their own name? That's right. The Nazi party was the... the, the I forget the exact acronym, but I know that it was the Socialist Party. The National Socialist Party of Germany. Right, right. And they, they, they adopted socialism in their own way. Yes, they got private industry to help them, but they, they, they absorbed private industry to force its hand. Okay? People don't realize that Germany ultimately became quite inefficient in its, uh, in its handling of business because of the, the Nazi Party. That's another story. The point is that a culture where you are breeding this notion of racism that it's rampant and such will propel your society toward something socialist. Yeah, because you have to have the government force people to make inefficient decisions to uh, to operate within the the, the borderlines right. drawn of the racist requirements. Right, because, because what they'll say is, look, the only way to truly get rid of racism that doesn't exist, but this phantom racism, the only way to get rid of it is by way of the government stepping in, forcing everyone to be equal, and the government is kind of constantly... Uh, you know, looking out and monitoring everyone's actions and, and thoughts and words. It's the equivalent of um, having a classroom where kids, you know, have to get along, right, in, in their classroom. And so you just have, uh, you know, teachers monitoring and hovering around all the time, watching every phrase, every word that a child might say. That's, that's the equivalent. And, it's, of course, that's not a world you want to live in, of course. 
So this is this is the, what, what ultimately will happen if you create this bugaboo, this this notion that racism is still wildly out there. Not only that, but it's growing. Well, we have to have the government step in because capitalism certainly is not working to to stop this this horrific evil of racism, right? So it's a, it's a phantom uh, prospect, just like Hitler's accusations about the Jews somehow taking over Germany and being responsible for all the evils uh, in society, particularly in Germany. Well, that was also a phantom also, but he used it to his own nefarious ends. Fair enough? Fair enough. Now the question is, does, does socialism also lead to racism? And the answer to that is also yes, it does. Because when, when socialism demands everyone be equal, of course, right? It demands that you uh, see yourself as just a cog in the machine. Well, all right, so what it means is that you have to, you're forcing the white person, the black person, whatever they're doing, they're, they're constantly monitoring themselves against anything else they're doing. So if, they, if, if a white person happens to do really well in a particular field and the black person is not doing it, well, then it, it just it tells, it explains it by way of racism. The only reason why you, the white person, is doing, is doing well and the black person is not doing well is because of racism. So socialism, that the whole notion of forcing everyone to be equal, encourages that the racist ideology. And then it does one more thing. Socialism always has something fall in its wake, which is called poverty. Yeah. And poverty leads to political upheaval. The only way the socialist government can maintain its power is by creating bogeymen, enemies of the state, enemies of the nation, enemies of the country. And those enemies invariably have to fit into some protected class kind of person that can be targeted and pointed to as the, the reason the rest of you are in poverty. Right. And it's not our socialism that's causing the that's poverty. Right. It's the demon over there. That's right. And, in, and even if what I just said doesn't fit exact strictures of um, political theory, in practice, it always winds up being. So in North Korea, the enemy is always the Japanese or the Chinese or the or Jews America, or yeah. America. Yeah. In in Iran, it's always the Jews. Right. In in um, Israel, Rwanda, yeah. it's it's either the Hutus or the Tutsis, depending. In every in every one of these situations where the poverty creates a, a, a situation of intense political friction, the people at the top who are not corporations but they're government people always <laughs> have to demonize a specific group of people who can be identified generally by skin color as the cause of everything. Well, yeah, I'll take you one step further. It's, um, we've talked about this in our podcast from, for a few years ago now, where we said that any democratic, sorry, unless you are democratic uh, and capitalist, market, free market-based uh, country, you will in inevitably have racism and scapegoatism in your culture. It, it has to happen. And the reason for that is that the, the elites at the top, usually the dictatorships, have to explain away why they, their country is, is facing poverty, why their country is not doing as well as, let's say, Israel, why their country is not doing as well as America or France or whatever it might be. And uh, that, that is a, a great example, Ari, of how um, socialism, um, in fact, encourages racism. So going back to our ultimate question, what is more dangerous, right? What is dangerous compared to the, for, you know, to the society at large. 
to all of us, the, the answer is clear. Socialism is far, far more dangerous. It, it affects every single one of us. It brings out the worst in us, and it actually fosters the very racism that you think is so horrific here that doesn't even exist. Thanks for listening, folks. I'm Brock Luray. We'll talk with you next week.